Okay, so welcome to episode two of the Cult of Domesticity podcast. I am Ashley. I'm Courtney. Oh, so I'm going to be telling you a true crime story. So if you're not a fan of murder and you're a little bit squeamish, probably don't listen to this episode because there are one, two, three, four, at least five. I think there are actually six. Six murders that happen. Um, what the fuck? That's, that's going to be the recurring theme of this episode. <laughs> also, we should we should mention, we are not pro-murder. Absolutely not. Not pro-murder. And we, this we, isn't, if we're laughing or it comes off as being flip about this, it's not because we don't appreciate the seriousness of it. We do. It's a coping mechanism. And so our intent is never to be disrespectful towards the victims. Maybe a little bit disrespectful towards the awful people who did it, but not towards the victim. It's mainly, like, disbelief that this is real. I honestly... It's one of those things where it's so crazy that I have a hard time processing the fact that it's a real thing that actually happened. But it did. And we should definitely share our, our hometown murders if you listen to My Favorite Murder, which, shout out to the roof, because, because we uh, love them. this is love them. This is why we're doing this. Yep. We both know each other's, and Oh, no, no, like, I have, okay, so, I actually have two, but one of them is going to be an episode of its own. Enough rambling, I think. Let's get down to the murdering. Maybe from now on I don't phrase it that way, but you know what, I'm leaving that in. Our story commences in 1921 in Germany. Always a good time pre-Nazis. It was, and fair warning, I'm going to try to pronounce these names right. I am going to fail. My apologies to the entire country of Germany. Um, And if you'd like to correct me, and you know how to do so in a way that's nice, please do. Like I said, 1921 in... It wasn't actually... I don't think it was in a town at the time, but it was a farm. And the, ta- the farm's name was Hinterkaifeck. Um, it's about 70 miles north of Munich, which today would be in Bavaria. So it's like the south part of modern Germany, from what I can tell by the map. It's um, still Bavaria. It is. It's, it's a farm near some woods, which to me, personally, that's a red flag from the start. But okay. Wait. Do you? I think I know which one this is. You probably do. We have a cast of characters. They all end up dead. So there's Andreas and Kazelia Gruber. They are a married couple. They're like early 70s, late 60s, somewhere in there. Their widowed daughter, who's like 35, I think. Her name is Victoria. And her two small children, um, Kazelia, I'm going to call her Kazelia the Younger, because they're, she's named after her grandmother, and Joseph, who, he was only, like, two. He was a sweet baby angel. They had also hired a maid, a new maid. Her name was Maria Baumgartner. Literally I her... this one. It was literally her first day. Aww. I know. She was a sweet baby angel. So, okay. It started at the end of 1921, and the family maid quits because she says that the farm is haunted, and she's basically like, I'm out of here. She's the person who survives the horror movie. She did. She lived to give testimony to some other stuff that we'll talk about later. It took them a while 
to find a new maid. Like, it was the end of March. Like I said, this was Maria's first day. And she was their new maid that they'd hired to replace the first maid. I don't remember what her name was. So. So basically, she left. She's noticed some stuff that's happening. And she puts it down to it's haunted. I have a different theory about that. But we'll get to that in a hot second. So she leaves. They hire the new maid. And Andrea starts noticing some weird shit and tells people about it. Stuff like footprints that he can't explain, missing keys, a random newspaper that he found. Like, their farm was pretty remote, and he found this newspaper that they don't subscribe to. And there's no reason for it to have been there. So, so it's almost as if someone had been watching the farm and was super careless about it. And just kind of, like, didn't care if they were found or not. So and this I is think, my thought. It took them so long because who, if you're going to be a maid, think of how sucky it is already to be a maid. Well, and, and she then, was a live-in maid because she had a bed. Yeah. So this, and it's a remote farm. It's a weird family, not placing any judgment on them, but the community around them had the, had this, it was a tragic thing that happened, but they were weird. There was some weird stuff going on to begin with and they were not super like, so... I, my theory about why she felt that it was haunted was that this was this footsteps missing stuff, all of this other, this whoever was leaving stuff around and messing with stuff. I think they were there, and I think she put down that to being haunting when it wasn't. It was someone was watching them, which is arguably way creepier than a haunting, but anyway. Friday, March 31st, 1922 was the last sighting of the victims, and it was, like, then Maria's first day of work. So we don't actually know for certain what happened that day or night or even when all of this happened that day. But what we do know is that everyone was killed with a mattock or mattock, which is basically, I looked it up, think old-timey prospector pickaxe with, like, the one end is flat and the other is vertical. You know what I mean? Okay. Anyway, yeah, um, so real question: Where do you get them? I don't know. How was, easy is it to get them? It was Germany. It was rural Germany in the twenties. Probably not that hard to come by, especially on a yeah, farm. Could have been a miner. I mean, they're in a they're on a farm. I don't know what kind of farm it was, but there's probably it could have been from anywhere, and they never actually found it. They know what Wait, it was. What? I don't think they ever did. They figured out what it was because we'll get there. Anyway, they do know that Andreas, his wife, Cazelia, his daughter, and his granddaughter were presumably lured there one by one. Um, but they were lured to the barn somehow and killed or attacked. And then the killers went into the house. Killer, killers. It could have been more than one. We don't know. Um, went into the house, and they killed the baby and Maria, the new maid, like, in their beds. I think we just need to take a minute, because that's awful. So we're going to do like Karen says, and we're going to take a minute, but we're not going to live there. Yeah. You know, killing babies. Not great. Not great. No, you don't want to do it. No. Don't kill babies. It's a bad life choice. Yeah. Okay, so after that all went down, whoever did this stayed in the house for a few days. Nope. Like, taking care of the farm animals, 
the neighbors reported having seen smoke from the chimney that weekend. Yep. This all went down on a Friday. And their neighbor, and I mean, that to me is the most disturbing part, is that they kept up the appearance that the family was there. Can I just lighten the mood real quick? Please do. <laughs> this got Friday, so heavy. Okay. All right. You know, we probably were just like, he was like, okay, gotta keep it. Can't well, keep it going back to church. You, if they don't show up to church. Well, no, so the little girl didn't show up to school on Monday and wasn't there on Saturday, which apparently was abnormal. So I don't know if they had school on Saturdays back then or what, but it was it was in the thing that I read that that was part of how they knew that something was wrong. And also, shout out to their mailman, because April 4th, that would have been, if Friday was the 31st, the 4th would have been Monday, Tuesday, somewhere early in the week, right? After not having seen any of the victims for several days, the neighbors went over to see what was going on. And also, because the postman saw Saturday's mail, where he had left it, hadn't been touched. And he was like, that's weird. That merits investigation. Um, How many mailmen, just curious, do you think accidentally stumble upon murders? I mean, probably more than you would think. Right? That's probably one of the unexpected downsides of that job. Because think about it. If you notice that like, the mail's piling up right. and stuff like and that, even you're if like, it's oh, not like, weird, like peeking the windows. Oh, my God, dead body. But anyway, so they went, they looked, they found them. So they called the police, but not, not right away. Because one of the people that they looked at apparently had dis- was part of the search party and had disturbed the bodies in some way. So, like, Inspector George Ryan Gruber and the Munich police interviewed more than 100 people, some as recently as 1986, but they came up empty. Completely empty. They did an autopsy. Johann Almuller did an autopsy in the barn on all of the people. And that's how they learned the murder weapon was this prospect or pickaxe thing um and question yeah um just thinking autopsy and barn not super sanitary but at least they did one or they did several they did one but also it's in the barn they may not have had a lab then to do this in even a lab by that time standards so they're dead in the barn yep some of them are. Yeah. Did they move the other ones to the barn? I don't know. It didn't say. Um, it did say that the little girl didn't die immediately because they found oh. evidence that she laid there for a few hours and, like, pulled out her hair and bled, like, next to the bodies of her mom and her grandparents. Like, I had to take a minute when I read that. Don't even want to imagine. Okay, so do you want to hear some stuff about... They interviewed over 100 people. They did the autopsy. That's how they figured out that they were killed one by one. And They did the barn autopsy. Yes, I'm barn still autopsy. Really, like, it blows my mind. It seems strange to me that they would think to do that in the 1920s. But maybe that's just me and my American brain. I don't know. I, I'm not saying autopsy weird. I'm just thinking barn autopsy. Like, is there hay in there? I mean, probably if they have livestock. 
Did they just sweep away an area and then, like, also, you gotta sew it up. What if you accidentally sew, like, an animal? Well, so, okay, like, no, wait, no, because they ended up, um, everybody's, their, all of their skulls were sent to Munich for further inquiry. Uh-uh. Yeah. And, uh, clairvoyance, quote-unquote, examined them, but found nothing, which, I'm sorry, that's not a huge surprise. But the skulls were then lost in the chaos of World War II and never returned to their remains. So if the farm wasn't haunted before, sure is now. Do you think, okay, hypothetical. Yeah. You're murdered. Right. Not by me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Your head is separated from your body. I mean, I'd be pissed. So you're pissed. But also, do you haunt, like, to give it to clairvoyant, would you haunt the clairvoyant? Would you haunt your skull or would you haunt your body? I would probably end up hunting wherever I was killed, I would think. I don't know. Maybe it's personal preference. Maybe it's not a thing. But to me, and like I said, I don't think it was haunted before. I'm pretty sure it's whoever was watching them and whoever did this had been watching them a lot longer. The first theory that they had was that it was a robbery, but there was a lot of money found in the house. And if they stayed there to take care of the farm animals and to keep up the appearance and throw off the timeline then they would have had time to find all that money because it wasn't, like, hidden away. It was just kind of kept wherever they normally would because they weren't expecting anybody to come in and rob them or murder them. Yeah. So they kind of quickly threw that out. Um, The second theory, the daughter's husband, so she was widowed, and her husband was reported killed in battle in France in World War I. But they never had his body. His body never came back to Germany. So they were thinking... that uncommon. Right. But they were kind of grasping at straws, I think, because they were thinking, well, what if he wasn't really killed and he came back and he was upset because there was a rumor about the father of her son. I mean, he was only two, the little boy. So there's no way that he was... I mean... I don't know when the husband died, but I doubt that there's any chance that it was his kid. But if he was still alive, he may have been upset about that. Get your what-the-fuck face ready, because it's coming. So they ruled that one out because several of his fellow soldiers saw him die, and the police found those soldiers to be credible. So they're like, no, we accept he's dead. It wasn't him. It wasn't me. (laughs) There was... Victoria, the daughter, and her father had a quote-unquote documented, and I say quote-unquote because there were charges filed, but they were dropped, but a documented incestuous relationship. And the rumor around town was that the little boy, the two-year-old, was by her father. So he would have been the kid's father and grandfather. Yeah. That was her what-the-fuck face, folks. (laughs) But, so, that part was just a rumor because there was another neighbor, his name was Lawrence Schlittenbauer, who publicly claimed the boy, and he paid child support and alimony to her for the kid. Even Sorry, though when you said publicly I know. claimed the boy, I thought he just like you know put a stamp on. Him. I mean, he basically did though. Like a legal stamp. Because at the time of the murder, he was married to someone else and had another oh. baby. So why would he? put his, I don't know if he was married at the time the boy was conceived or even if he really is the father, I don't know, but if he weren't the father, why would he claim the kid 
and risk his current relationship if he wasn't actually his. That makes no sense to me. And why would he pay? I mean, even if he were willing to do that, if they were like besties or something from way back in the day, he knew what was going on. And he said, I'll step up and I'll claim him. Why would he then pay money that he probably didn't have? I mean, he's a farmer too. The likelihood of him being super well off is probably pretty low. It just, that doesn't make sense to me. If it wasn't his kid, why would he go that far? I think it really was his son. Or he was at least convinced. If would you would, claim somebody else? Would you claim your best friend's kid? I don't know. But that's what I'm saying. Maybe he did. Yeah. If we suspend our disbelief on that part, maybe he did. Maybe he knew something about the child's parentage that he wanted to spare the kid from down the road, maybe. Something like that. Like double grandfather or something like that. You know what I mean? What I don't know if he would also pay child support to keep that illusion up. You know what I mean? Okay, let's go with another baby daddy theory. Yeah. She, she dated two guys close together. They one broke up. She started dating another one. She I mean, doesn't know who the daddy is. So she says she's that like, it's... Or as far as that goes, it could be her dad's kid, and she knows what the townspeople will say. She knows what the kid will have to face. So she goes yeah. to either she actually does do the do, as we say, with uh-huh. her friend or her neighbor. I don't know if they were friends or not, but with this neighbor guy and then tells him, OK, well, the kid's yours. And he believes her. Maybe that's the case. But either way, I don't see how that leads to him being a suspect, except for the fact that he was part of the search party and disturbed the bodies before the police got there. Somehow. It doesn't say what happened. It could have just been that he was so overcome that he ran to them and, like, moved them, trying to say, like, this isn't real, wake up, kind of a thing. Or he straight up, like, moved them for whatever reason. I don't know. It doesn't say. But that alone and the fact that the kid's parentage was dubious and he was the one who claimed him put him under the police spotlight, but they could never prove anything solidly enough to charge him. You know what this reminds me of? What's that? John Benet Ramsey. Kind of. There are yeah, a you, lot of theories around, man. But so this is when you need a time turner. <laughs> right. The farm itself was demolished in 1923, and a small shrine is nearby today. And the victims are buried in the graveyard in the town today, um, which is called Beethoven. Um, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But there was a police academy. The Burstenfeldbrook Police Academy, who looked at the case and all the evidence that they were able to find through a modern lens, so with modern techniques, and they say that at this point, no definitive answer will be found because too much time has passed, evidence has been lost or destroyed, like the skulls of the victims, which, I mean, if they were killed with a effectively an axe wound to the head, you kind of need the skull for that. I don't know what you're talking about. You could totally figure out cause of death without that. Maybe now, but not back then. Anyway, um, (laughs) evidence has been lost. Suspects, of which there were many, have passed on. They did come up with a prime suspect, but they won't release the name, and I'm quoting here, out of respect for still-living relatives. So I don't know if it's respect for the relatives of the person that they would name as a suspect or of the relatives of the family that was murdered. But, like, they won't what say who the it same is. Person? 
It could be, though, because it doesn't say whether she was their only daughter. It doesn't say, you know what I mean? But the part to me that's the most interesting, not the most disturbing, but the most, well, I mean, it's disturbing, but the allegations of incest, the article that I found about it that has, like, witness testimony, so, like, baby daddy, um, the first maid who allegedly caught them doing it, red-handed, so to speak, they all... So literally shaggy. Yeah. They all seem to point to the mother, the wife, knowing what was happening, but she was so busy with other stuff that she just didn't care. What are you busy with? I don't know. I mean... Being the perfect domestic goddess? Maybe. But... You know, that piety, purity, submissiveness. I don't know. But, like, they say that it's been going on since the daughter was 16. And that she told Lorenz, the baby daddy, uh, about it. And that that was... And so... The problem I have with those testimonies is some of them, I mean, there's, they were all from after it happened, all from after the murder. So from 1922 up to, I think, hold on, let me see. So no one ever said when they were alive, hey, this is Right. Well, no. So like I said, Andreas was investigated by the court on charges of incest in 1919, but the charges were dropped. So they looked into it, but they didn't find enough to to successfully charge him. Um, The statements on the site were taken after the murders, in some cases as long as 30 or even 62 years after it happened. The last, the 62 years later was from one of the younger, the little girl, the seven-year-old girl's classmates about her mom and her grandfather. So I don't know how reliable that is. I'm not saying that they're lying, but it could just be flawed because of either how close they were to the investigation, like with the former maid and the baby's dad, or, I mean, 62 years is a long time. That's a long time. Even if you're isolated from the world and have no outside contaminating influences, like the rumors around the town that say this is what was happening and this is why it happened and all this, even without all of that, the human memory is flawed to begin with, but that long space of time anything could happen in that person's brain to confuse what they're saying. Oh, yeah. I don't remember, like, if I'm at work... Like, I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> Let alone something... I call and they're like, I think I talked to you on the phone. I'm like, okay. I'm gonna be like... You probably did. Did you ask me about apples? Right. Because <laughs> I, I talked to 20 people about apples. <laughs> like, yeah, you probably did talk to me on the phone. There's, there's three girls... Well, there's four girls that work here. There's a one in four chance it's me. <laughs> but that's what I mean. So it's not even that they're lying. They might, they might 100% be true and correct. I, but we don't know that. Yeah. So, but then at the same time, if this was a stranger who did all of this, why? Why didn't he take the money? Why do it in the first place? That's a lot of work. You gotta think, I mean... That axe can't have been light, first of all, for it to do the damage it did. Why would you take six lives just for shits and giggles when you've been... And it's not like it's not premeditated if they've been watching them for however long. Even if it was a week or two, 
I don't know. I mean, that still seems like a long time to plan something like that to me. So, For no reason. Other than the mayhem and chaos of it. Let's say, drifter theory. Yeah. Which was another one of their theories. They looked at a whole lot of... A lot of those 100 people they interviewed were like drifters and vagabonds who, because of World War One, no longer had a permanent place to call home. So they were moving throughout the countryside looking for work. And were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And were under suspicion because of it. But let's say that the, this drifter happened to know them. Mm-hmm. And he just wants enough money. You know, like, maybe he doesn't want to rob them completely. Right, but just and, enough to get by. Yeah. I mean, if that's a the case... A murderer with a heart of gold? Maybe. But, I mean, first of all, golden is your heart if you're killing somebody. Regardless of your intentions, that's not great. Like, heart of silver, maybe. I could see that. Heart of bronze. Right. But, like, if that were the case, all you have to do is one at most, and you, like, the dad, and you scare the rest of them into it. Made on her first day is not going to argue, not going to fight over someone's possessions who she's not emotionally connected to yet. Oh, If you take out the patriarch of the family, the rest of them are probably going to fall in line pretty quick. So, really, you only needed to do one, and... Needed is a real strong word there, because you don't need to kill anybody, ever. Sorry, you don't. So that one doesn't hold up. I can see why it would be the most obvious and the first one they would look at, but it just doesn't stand up to very much at all. Yeah, that's a... This one, every time I hear it, every time I hear different theories, bothers me. I know, and it's... The thing that bothers me is we're never going to have an answer on it. Again, JonBenet Ramsey, we will never know. That one, at least, there's, I don't know, there's always a chance of a deathbed confession, regardless of how likely or unlikely that is, it could still happen. In this case, everyone who knew what happened is pretty much gone at this point. So let's say crazy, crazy theory. Yeah. You find, someone finds a book, and it's from the murderer. Mm Mm-hmm. Who confessed to everything. Would you find it credible? At this point, probably not. Because you have to figure, this is something that's been in the public conscience for 80-some-odd years now. So it could very well be a case of, I mean, maybe it's from the murderer, maybe it's not. But if it's not, it could be someone who just wants the attention of, I didn't look at me. Look at, you know what I mean? Like, seeking attention in the wrong way. That, to me, would be what would the... That would be my first reaction if someone confessed to it at this point. Like, why now? Yeah. If it really was you, why did you wait this long? And why did you do it to begin with? No, I'm thinking, like, the person's dead. They just wanted someone Even to know Even more that. so, then. Like, they wrote down their deathbed confession. Maybe. I guess it would depend on how thorough the confession was and how well it matched what we do actually know happened. Like if they had some personal belongings. Right, or something that the police found and didn't release. Although I don't know if that was... If that was the case and they didn't release it, I don't know that those records would still be in existence if they couldn't keep track of the skulls, let alone paperwork. I mean, surely surely some of it survived, because if not, this police academy wouldn't have been able to look at any of the evidence. Yeah. So, I mean, at least some of it did make it, but I don't know. 
It bothers me that they have a prime suspect and they won't... I don't know. I understand the reasoning to an extent, but it still bothers me because what about respect for the surviving members of the victims' families? That's why I'm thinking they're the same. Or like they're related. I mean, it could be, especially if they were doing the double back family tree. Well, I'm also just thinking, you said it's a small village. Yeah. How but, many people are you going to marry? Well, it was a small village in the midst of in the middle, like, sandwiched between two world wars. So it's not like there hadn't been soldiers there before. Probably would be yeah. soldiers there again. I mean... Yeah. The dating pool probably did get a bit bigger, even if it was temporarily. With people being shipped off to war or soldiers coming through. Yeah. This is just a rough one, because it's just... There's no... There's no answers. There's nothing... I mean, there's, there's some concrete things, but they only open up more questions. Nothing is satisfying. Right. But that's why it's so fascinating to me. Because there are so many conflicting reports, but all of them agree that they were let out one by one, that this person had been watching them, or persons had been watching them, and that they maintained the appearance of the family being on the farm somewhat, to some extent. For several days afterward. And the kind of cold, calculating person that would be able to do that, they're never going to... They're never logically going to confess to that. Not without something big happening to make them feel some sort of shame for it. I'm thinking it's like a sociopath kind of thing. I mean, it has to be. Yeah. Because especially, like, you have to use that axe thing on a baby. On a two-year-old who's asleep. Because they found... So the baby was in his cot in his mother's bedroom. And the maid, her first day, she was asleep in her bed. That's the worst first day of work ever. It doesn't get a lot worse than that. Oh. But... So... So moral, yeah, I mean, that's really all we know. But this is one of the things where, like, I totally understand why people like cold cases, because it could literally be anything. Yeah. It could be theories that we never even considered, and that was the strange but true truth kind of a thing. But that's what I love about true crime, is that it's usually something outside the realm of a neurotypical person's thought pattern. So yeah, it's should we do always different. Our, since we, you got us into true crime, yeah. moving us from, we went from what, domesticity yeah. to true crime, historical true crime. We can do, because we do love the podcast, My Favorite Murder. Yes, we do. Um, why don't we do our hometown murders next? Okay. So next week, do you want to just do a bigger episode where we both do kind of a condensed yeah we can do like each of our hometown murders hey guys it's ashley so you may remember from episode one where we talked about how there would definitely be technical difficulties with us in the beginning well (laughs) turns out we were right mostly about this episode i've tried to minimize them the best that i could in editing so that you don't hear too much of the shenanigans but Unfortunately, one of the 
biggest ones, in my opinion, is that we lost the end of the episode where Courtney tells you how to connect with us. So if you're on Twitter or on Facebook, you can find us at Domestic Podcast. We don't have an Instagram account yet, and I'm not sure that we will. It's something we need to talk about. But if you're looking for episode notes or sources, our Facebook page is where you'll find them. And if you're looking for a way to give us feedback... That would be the way to do it. I believe you can message us privately through the Facebook page. If not, you can just post on the timeline. It's fine. So yeah, looking forward to telling you about our hometown murders next week. And thank you for listening. We love you all.